Hey guys, you are listening to Killer Cocktails, where the drinks are stiff, but the bodies are stiffer. This is a casual true crime podcast where two friends get drunk and talk about gruesome murders. Each week we pick a different drink whose name or ingredients set the tone for our stories. Hey guys, welcome back to another week of Killer Cocktails. This is Drea. This is Jackie. And we are doing a Harry Potter themed episode. I'm excited. I'm super stoked. Um, we are doing this because it's Harry Potter's birthday. On July 31st? Yes. And uh, so we're coming out a little bit before his birthday, but we, we want to get you prepped for yeah, it. Yeah, you so. got to gear up for it. Yeah. I love the harry potter books because i grew up with them and Mm -hmm. because they're essentially why i learned to read i was a very late reader and so my mom took me to those like late night border book releases and i I got to dress up yeah and she'd be like all right go to bed wink wink and i'd like read the book and it was just it was i don't know i loved it yeah it was magical my grandmother would buy the book like we all had to share it so it was like this person you'd be like read that faster <laughs> why are you watching if somebody TV? got to start with it like they didn't get to start the next one mm-hmm. oh it was exciting when a new book was coming out yeah yeah i know i love them um so we are gonna do some harry potter facts harry potter facts harry potter you're a wizard potter um and these might be some spoilers they are some spoilers if you haven't read the books or seen the movies Go ahead and zip, zip, zip ahead probably 10 minutes or yeah. 5 to 10. Uh, and then we'll see you in a bit. But for all you other listeners out there, let's jump into these Harry Potter facts that you might not know. Harry's parents, James and Lily, are soulmates because the Patronus charm uh, is a physical rep- representation of one's soul. Because James is a stag and Lily is a doe, they are a perfect fit together. That's cute. Because Professor Snape was in love with Lily, his Patronus transformed into a doe when she died. Interesting. Um, Rowling uh, has said that if Voldemort saw a uh, Bogart, it would embody his own corpse, since death was always his greatest fear. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Dumbledore is an old English word for bumblebee. Oh. Rowling said she chose the name because she pictured Dumbledore humming to himself. Oh, that's fun. Isn't that nice? Okay, so if Muggles stumbled across Hogwarts, it would look like a dilapidated building with a keep out dangerous sign on it. Really? Mm-hmm. That's exciting. Um, Rowling has admitted that she regrets the relationship between Ron and Hermione. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Huh. Do you have any feelings towards that? No. Perfect. Do you? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, don't, I haven't given it much mind in a long time. I almost feel like the relationship between Harry and Ron's sister is a little lazy. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, so while filming Prisoner of Azkaban, the pockets of Tom Felton's Hogwarts robes were sewn shut to stop him from sneaking food onto the set. Funny. Is that Draco Malfoy? Tom Felton's? That sounds right. Yeah. That's funny. That's so funny. Um, on the 10th anniversary of Harry's uh, parents' death and the first time Voldemort was defeated, uh, 31st of October of 1991, he and Ron saved Hermione from the troll in the bathroom. This is generally regarded as the day the trio became friends. Hmm. Aww. Um, all right. So another Harry Potter fact. The first five years Rowling spent on Harry Potter were spent determining rules about her characters could and could not do. I love it. <laughs> um, Harry Potter fact. Rowling has admitted that Dementors are a physical depiction of her own uh, de- debilitating 
experience with depression during her 20s. Whoa. Oh, that's a good representation. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Harry Potter fact. Daniel Radcliffe and Rupert Gr- uh, Grint both admitted to having a crush on Emma Watson in earlier films. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, okay, Harry Potter fact. While filming the kissing scene between the Horcrux versions of Harry and Hermione in Deathly Hallows Part 2, Ron had to be removed from set for laughing hysterically. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Could you imagine? Like, get off. Yeah. Get off set. You yeah. just can't be here. Because um, how, how far in are they at that point? Like, they've been... They've oh, been filming like a year, for forever. Like 10 years, yeah, yeah. That's fun. Um, Harry Potter fact. Tom Felton, so Draco Malfoy, originally auditioned for the roles of Harry and Ron. Mm. Yeah. And they're like, no, no, we're going to bleach your hair, buddy. Uh-huh. <laughs> you're, you're ours now. <clears throat> um, all right. Harry Potter fact. The first Harry Potter book was published in 1980, 1998. I was going to say, oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Harry Potter fact. The first Harry Potter was published in 1998, the same year the final battle of Hogwarts was fought. Rowling has said, I open at the close. Oh. Because oh. you opened the first book and it's the closing of a whole. Interesting. All right. Um. Okay. I have one more fact for you. What is that? Guess who also has a birthday? I have a birthday. Oh, my God. I didn't finish. <laughs> <laughs> that shares it with Harry Potter. July 31st. Uh, I don't know. J.K. Rowling. Ah, yeah. I love it. Awesome. Well, that has been Harry Potter Facts, and we've either tickled your fancy or we spoiled everything for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. So, oh, and by the way, our cocktail this week. Butterbeer. We made butterbeer, you guys. So let me, two things happened. <laughs> when I read those books, there were, I'm going to say two magical things that could be consumed you read about butterbeer and the way it is described there's no better elixir in the world you want to drink a butterbeer so bad so bad and then there's birdie bot birdie whatever (laughs) i just had to eat (laughs) and i remember reading about it and thinking it was so magical and amazing and knowing that i never needed to eat those and then you made me eat them i well i feel like kimberly came up with the plan Whatever it was, she made us eat. When them. I was in Dare, and they warned you about peer pressure, they were talking about this: being forced to eat vomit beans. <laughs> but guess what? You ate them. They were gross. <laughs> Even the good ones were gross. Yeah, we don't recommend the the beans. What do you think about the uh, the cocktail though? The butterbeer. It's decent. Yeah. I mean, in no way are you ordering a butterbeer out at a bar. Mm-hmm. Um, and like making a cocktail for yourself at the house definitely not this yeah and originally we we made it with the uh, vanilla vodka Mm -hmm. and then the cream soda and then butterscotch butterscotch uh, what do you call it butterscotch uh, schnapps yeah and it was just so sugary super sweet and jackie was super nice she found me like almond coconut like whipped cream Mm -hmm. um which just added another weird Flavor. flavor yeah um and then we did it with a dark rum and i think i'm not liking the rum and it's just really sweet. You would make this when you're having a Harry Potter day. Yeah, yeah. If you're like marathoning some movies, if you're dressing up in some robes, I know there's some Harry Potter fans out there and they know how to have fun. Mm-hmm. That is when you would make this But drink. maybe maybe we didn't get the right recipe. Go check out a recipe on Instagram. Let us know if we didn't get the right one. Tell us the right one. I want yeah, to enjoy I, them. I think you just have to be a sugar fiend. Okay. Because like, what do they do in Harry Potter land? They're kids. They love sugar. Yeah. And like, oh, Harry Potter. I thought I was in the book. Oh. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, Harry Potter land. Because it can be served hot or cold. 
but it's I no- always imagined it hot. When I read about yeah. it in the book, it was a hot drink. Yeah. So I can't imagine. I, You know me and hot. I know. Alcohol cocktails. You don't like hot at all in any regard. I don't. I don't. Move, huh. to, move to Antarctica. I'm about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, guys. That kind of wraps up our cocktail hour. It's murder time. time murder. There's been a murder. I'm excited. Because you've been te- like teasing me with your story. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you about Chung Ling Su. Okay. Chung was a Chinese American magician. Oh. Back in the early 1900s. Oh. So. We're drinking butterbeer. Mm-hmm. Butterbeer's from Harry Potter. Harry Potter is a world full of magic. Yes, yes. So this is how I tie my story to the drink. I've got a magician oh, from the early 1900s. I love it. Okay. This is awesome. All right. On March 23rd, 1918, a very popular trick of his goes wrong. Oh, no. So I guess I'll give you a little bit more intro. So you've obviously picked up by his name and that I told you he was Chinese-American. His whole theme is of the Orient. He's got the like half shaved head with the long braid. He's got like fancy robes. Um, There's a bunch of like illusions that he does that kind of play into that whole. And he never talks on stage. Oh, he's like, that's very mysterious. Yes, he's incredibly mysterious. So he's up there. He's doing this trick. And the, the trick, it's a bullet catch. What? So With his teeth? Yes. <gasps> so the name of this trick is called the it's condemned to death by the boxers. And that doesn't make any sense because what are boxers and how does it what does that have to do with guns? So the boxers are his assistants mm-hmm. and they're dressed as members. This is like super old school. They're dressed as members of the Righteous Fists of Harmony, hmm. which is the Chinese opposition to the British in the Boxer Rebellion. So that's the tie. It's this old heritage. All this is taking place in England. Okay. So he's in England as a magician doing this whole, like, he's going to do this. He's got two people aiming guns, firing guns at him. They each point, they shoot, and most of the time, he's catching the bullets in his teeth. How? And then he's, like, tinking them down into a little receptacle. Okay. Sometimes he's just catching them, but the most impressive ones are where he's, like, catches them in his teeth. What? I mean... He's magic. I'm fascinated right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so normally he catches them. However, uh, on this particular night, so he's kind of lazy in this regard. So the prop guns, essentially, it's like a it's a two barrel gun, if I remember correctly. It's like two barrels to it. There's a extra trick barrel. Okay. So he shows people like here's the bullet, and he puts it in. So the bullet goes into a chamber that doesn't fire. Okay. And there's blanks in, so there's, again, we're in early 1900s, we got early guns. So you hear the loud bang, but the bullet that went in never goes Uh, out. Okay. And what does he catch? He's got his own little fake props over there. So he's doing a sleight of hand. Got it. On his end. Um, However, he's not cleaning these guns. Oh, no. So the gunpowder residue (gasps) is building up inside them. Oh, no. So eventually, (gasps) that little secret chamber that isn't supposed to fire the bullet does fires and he gets shot in the chest on stage (gasps) while performing this trick can you imagine so he gets hit he hits the ground and all of a sudden he yells in perfect english something's terribly wrong put the curtain down (gasps) he dies the next day (gasps) oh no 
Well, then it comes out, dude's not Chinese. Wait, what? What? Yeah, he ain't Chinese. <laughs> this is a stage personality? Uh-huh. What? He's Scottish. What? <laughs> it's like super racist. And he's dressing like he's completely pretending to be Chinese. And that's the character. What? So now let's go back in time a little bit. Okay. Um, While he's like coming up and being super famous as this like Chinese magician, there's another Chinese magician. Mm-hmm. And this like guy's... an actual Chinese. Yes. So uh, he's from Beijing. His name is Zhu Lingka. I don't know how to say it. His stage name is Ching Ling Fu. Oh, very similar. Very similar. And he came first. He came first. Oh. So he's Chinese. He's a magician, and he has these popular tricks. So the dude's real name is Robinson. Mm-hmm. Like he's super like UK Scottish English. So he goes to he's been a magician his whole life. So mm-hmm. from the time he's 14, he's super into illusions. Um, but he has this whole other stage persona. He joins this like vaudeville act. So he's doing OK as himself. And then he sees Fu do this performance and he's like, I love it. Yeah. And because Fu is just traveling, he doesn't normally tour around where they are. He's like, this guy will never know that I'm copying him and other people won't know. I'm just going to create this character. Yeah. So he creates this character. Marketing. Yeah. Okay. So, and he, and he rips him off. He's like doing all of his tricks. Oh, like, okay. Well, cool. So uh, he's a world famous magician. He would breathe fire. He would, this is uh, Fu, the original mm-hmm. guy. He would pull a 15 foot, a uh, 15 foot pole out of his mouth. What? He would cut the head off of a boy who would then walk away off stage apparently headless to people what i mean he's not really doing this no i know i love magic (laughs) (laughs) okay so in 1896 so this is now we've gone back in time yeah late 1800s Fu issues a challenge offering a thousand dollars which think about in 1896 a thousand dollars um, to anyone who could duplicate his illusions. <gasps> so he's famous. He's true. Like, there's no, like, movies and stuff. Like, you yeah. go and you watch. But, like, this is height of entertainment. Yeah, no YouTube. And he's like, if you can figure out my tricks and you can do them, thousand bucks. Okay. So, Robinson, who has yet to create this other character, he's, right now, he's just a vaudeville ma- uh, magician. He would go with, like, he had some characters, like, there's this guy, he would pretend to be, like, Ahmed Ben Ali, like, so he oh, plays wow. off of these very ethnic, different from, you know, it's it's very exotic, yeah. is, I think, what he's playing into. Um, by today's standards, racist, he's painting his face with grease paint, like, mm. it's not appropriate. Yeah. Um, so he studies Fu, and he's, like, trying to figure out his tricks, um, and he's, like, I'm... I challenge it, and Fu's like, uh, never. He kind of reneges on the deal. Mm, Cause he had it. Yeah. Um. So part of why Fu is like, no, I'm not gonna do that, is that he breaks the like cardinal rule of magicians, and he writes a tell-all book, <gasps> and he gives away the tricks. Oh, he's one of those guys. Yeah. So like all of them, you are never to reveal a trick. No. So. Fu is super, he's mad. He's like, I'm not giving you the thousand dollars. Like the whole point is people are supposed, you can recreate it and prove that you know how to do it, but you're giving it away. Yeah. So he's bent out of shape. The name of the book was Spirit Slate Writing and Kindred Phenomena. 
Um, so basically he's giving away some of the tricks that he would like uh, talk to the dead. Mm-hmm. And it was like all of that. So he gave away those those tricks. Not like I think all the like main headline headline stuff. Okay. Um, but so that's all going on. So there there's a rivalry between these two guys. They end up like when all this goes down. So in January of 1905, Chung, the imposter dude, he's performing at the Hippodrome. And his rival, Ching, is performing at the nearby Empire Theater. So Ching is foo. So they've got their dueling shows and the imposter is getting better attendance. Oh. And his his show stays on longer than yeah. the other guy. So the other guy's just like... Infuriated. Yeah. He's yeah. super mad. Because um, he made himself into this... Yes. Yeah. So all of this, oh, and meanwhile, the imposter guy, he's married to this one lady, and then he's like, ah, I'm not going to be married to her. Like, he's getting all these ladies pregnant. He Whoa. keeps marrying and not divorcing, so, like, illegally marrying his assistants and other ladies. Oh, no. Like, he's just kind of this, like... He's getting more and more grimy. He's, yeah, he's just kind of a piece of shit. Yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's just kind of like, he's stealing tricks. He's giving away tricks. He's not a good father. Um, that's kind of the end of it. Oh. I mean, there's like, you know, because it ends with he was an imposter and then everyone finds out. Yeah. Uh, but before all that, there's this, he leads this whole yeah. crazy I was, life. I was thinking that... F- Fu was going to have something to do with it. Like, he was the one who went in no, and, like... like the new- I think part of why I play that up, like, have you ever seen the movie The Prestige? Yes. So... Yes. There's a part in The Prestige where they go, the two... Magi- uh, the two I keep wanting to say musicians. The two mm. magicians mm-hmm. go... So you've got Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale. They go to see a performer, and his name is... <gasps> This guy. The imposter guy? The imposter guy. Yeah. Because he's a famous magician back yeah. in the day. Um, so it's kind of a tip of the hat that Christopher Nolan gave to this character. Got it. Um, but it's just kind of cool. Like That's crazy. It's a fa- and there's all sorts of stuff. Like, you can go nuts on it. I'll bet there's probably documentaries yeah. and stuff. Like, again, I didn't have a ton of... To, I just thought it was crazy. And that was what I was trying to tell you. I couldn't figure out, do I just tell the story of this imposter who does all this stuff and then the, the ultimately written. dies in a trick? Or do I tell you that he's... Dies yeah, in this trick, no, and I... then everyone finds out, like, wait a minute, that guy's not Chinese? <laughs> That's crazy. No, I... Look at pictures of him. It's crazy. Look at pictures of him. He had this story where, like, his dad was Scottish and his mom was from China. Or he, he, he was saying that he was, like, half Chinese mm-hmm. to kind of pull off, like, why he looked the way he looked. Yeah. Huh. That's crazy. Yeah. You could get away with so much back in the day. Like, think about trying to do that now. He would speak in broken English. Uh-huh. And... Because he's never talking on stage, and when he is, he's putting off this illusion of, like, he doesn't speak English. Yeah. When he wasn't dressed up as a Chinese dude, he would be himself and pretend that he was the manager of Are you the guy. Serious? And he would talk to people, and he'd set up appointments. Do you think anybody knew? You think people are like, oh, okay, like a John McAfee kind of situation. I don't like, know. Okay there, buddy. That's insane. Yeah. And he had wives through this. Did they know? Who knows? Mm, I love it. I love magicians. Mm -hmm. I love con artists. I love. I love everything about the story. The Prestige might be. It's one of my top five favorite movies. Oh, so good. I love The Prestige. All right, guys. um, We're gonna take a quick break, and we'll be back. Hey, guys. We are gonna actually take a break. Message for you. 
Give me a break. <laughs> Give me a break. Break me off a piece of that break uh, message. Uh, uh. Um, we are going to talk about t-shirts. I love t-shirts. Do you? Every day, t-shirts. Every day? Oh, yeah. Jackie, what's your favorite kind of t-shirt? I like a t-shirt with a story. Well, I have the t-shirt for you. The KCP, a.k.a. the Killer Cocktails Podcast t-shirts. Oh, um, on the back. They say where the drinks are stiff and the bodies are stiffer. They're rad. We've worn them in a couple of our Instagram yeah, posts. Yeah, and they're super comfy. Um, and we're doing this really cool contest right now. So the only way you could get a t-shirt is if you head over to our website, grab one of our stickers, and then what you're going to do is snap a fun creative picture with the sticker. Okay. And that's whatever that means to you. And then you're going to share it on Instagram and you're going to hashtag Killer Cocktails Podcast and make sure you tag us in it too. Mm-hmm. And then you'll be entered into a contest to win one of these cool free t-shirts there's nothing better than a free shirt i feel like half my closet is free shirts uh-huh. and i love them twice as much because they were free yes yes because then you like earned it somehow. yes yes you earned that free <laughs> shirt <laughs> all right guys well we hope you enjoy the rest of the episode yeah and if you're enjoying the podcast take a couple seconds pop over to itunes throw on some stars it really does help gain exposure to the podcast so other people can learn about it it really does and we love you for all your support thank you bye guys all right we are back from our break and it's time for my story here we go okay jackie yes i'm gonna tell you about madge augustine oberholster madge is born on november 10th of 1896 Uh, she's born in clay city indiana and she grows up in fulton county indiana and she grows up with her german american parents and i want to say they were immigrants um, and she heads off to college and she studies English and mathematics and zo- zoology and logic at Butler College in Irving, uh, Irvington, in Irvington, um, but drops out at the end of her junior year without saying anything. Okay. So it all kind of starts out as like first gen German, mm-hmm. going to school uh-huh. doing all, and like all of it seems like whoop, American dream. Yeah. And then she just quietly drops out. Yeah. Junior year. Mm hmm. Um, and then she, I, I want to say she was living with her parents at the time, but she, she is now currently living with her parents, which is not uncommon for that day and age. Or now. Or now. Yeah. 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 Millennials. Yeah. Um, other cultures do it like in Chile, they like, yeah, yeah. up and through, through their thirties. It's not that uncommon. So, um, she starts working for the Indiana department of education where she helps illiterate adults learn to read. She's so, oh, isn't that nice? Okay, so then she eventually becomes manager of the Indiana Young People's Reading Circle, and um, she's having a great time. She about this reading. She, yeah, yeah. Uh, I bet you she liked Harry Potter. Oh, she would. Yeah. Is that your tie? No. (laughs) (laughs) My tie is, I bet she'd like (laughs) Harry Potter. (laughs) Um, But she loves this job, but there's rumors that it's going to kind of dissolve because of budget cuts. So she's not going to have this job for Been much a problem longer. for a century. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I'm going to tell you about this other person. I'm going to tell you about David Curtis Stevenson, and a.k.a. Steve. His friends call him Steve. Um, St- Steve is born in 1891 in Houston, Texas. He leaves school at the end of eighth grade, and he's like 16 at the time. Okay. So little... Ready to be a working man. Exactly. <laughs> um, he does actually have to leave to support his family. 
Um, when he turns 20, he joins the Texas National Guard, and during World War One, he is sent to Boone, Iowa to work as a recruiter, and after the war, he takes a job as a traveling salesman in Ohio. So he's kind of bouncing around. Back in the days of traveling salesmen. Mm-hmm. Um, and at this point, he's had two failed marriages already. Um, he gets uh, pretty drunk, and he gets kind of um, abusive, and okay. just kind of, yeah. And so He's not a dreamboat. No. No, 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 no. Um, he likes to read psychology books and he starts taking public speaking courses and he soon develops this ability to captivate audiences with his speaking. Ooh. Yes. In 1922, he becomes a partner in the coal business and he moves to Indiana. Um, the From next Texas. That's yeah. the jump. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think you, yeah, he's kind of all over. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the next year he joins this club called the Ku Klux Klan. Oh. Yeah. So it's just like an after school club. Yeah, or? yeah. I think they like to read. <sighs> okay. So in November of nineteen twenty two, some KKK members decide, you know what? There needs to be a shift in power here. Things need to change up. So Steve backs this guy named... Um, Ch- change in power within the Ku Klux Klan yeah, or mm-hmm. change in power like in the local government? Sorry, in the Ku Klux Klan. Yeah, okay, they the want a new Grand Wizard or whatever. Yes. Um, so Steve starts backing this guy, Herm Wesley Evans, to become the next Imperial Wizard. Oh, that's your tie. That's my tie. You took it to the Clan Wizards. <laughs> Fascinating. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, like okay. I just, the, <laughs> I love how differently we approached it. Yeah. I love your tie. It's, I mean, I don't love it, but I love it. It's crazy that they're called Imperial <laughs> Wizards. Like, they're called wizards and dragons. The fact and, that they're called wizards. Yeah. And they're still around. Like I started looking at the rankings and it's, it's insane. They're awful. Um, so Harry Potter is, and Butterbeer and a wizard, wizard. Imperial Wizard. This You're is my wizard. tie. Oh, um, so he's backing this guy to take this new position. And when Evan becomes the Imperial Wizard, Steve then moves into the role as Grand Dragon of Indiana in 22 other northern states. And he becomes regarded as one of the most successful clan leaders. Mm hmm. So uh, Steve also becomes active in the state's Republican Party and influences bills on nutrition steam pollution fire insurance highways and margarine Uh, (laughs) Um, he soon becomes so powerful that he's considered a contender for president of the united states in the upcoming 1928 election dang yes but who got the vote in 20 all the ladies who make money (laughs) throw your hands up at me Ladies, are you going to vote for no Ku Klux Klan guy? Oh, that's great. That's a great way to remember that. <laughs> um, okay, so while in power, memberships grow dramatically within the KKK. In so, Indiana or just in general? Uh, mainly in Indiana. Okay. So in Indiana alone, memberships grew to nearly 300,000. Or you could think of it as one third of all white males in the state. Jesus. Yes. Because remember, he's he's like, he speaks very well. He's very charming. And he's the dragon? He's the dragon. So I want to say he goes dragon and then imperial wizard. So he kind of reigns over. He's the hype man. Yeah. He's the hype man for <laughs> the grand wizard, the I, imperial wizard? Imperial wizard, yeah. So he not only has Indiana, but he has 22 other states as well. Northern states. That's his, what do you call it? Uh, domain. No, I don't know. 
Well, a dragon would have a domain. Yes, yes. Um, so... In 1924, by the age of 33, Steve is a multimillionaire. He's living in a large mansion, and he has a staff of several bodyguards. He has a small fleet of cars, a personal train, and even a yacht on Lake Erie. This is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, he also is just becoming very cocky, and he, he would repeatedly say, I am the law in Indiana. This is all gross. Mm-hmm. Um, he is publicly racist and he's against people who sleep around. Uh, he's against alcohol and immoral books and movies. But at the same time, I was going to say, let me guess how he's living his mm-hmm. life. Uh, at the same time, he's having orgies in his mansion. Mm-hmm. Um, he's an alcoholic and a sexual deviant that enjoyed uh, degrading and humiliating women. I'm so surprised. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you, you always face value, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, no. All right, so in early 1924, one woman charges Steve with uh, seduction, and he ended up paying her off. Then other women start coming forward, and he starts bribing local uh, officials to look the other way. So Steve is in politics, and he starts heavily uh, supporting uh, Republican Ed Jackson, who uh, runs for governor in 1924, and he wins with the support of Steve and others. Interesting. So Steve is at the governor's commencement party, and he sees this beautiful young woman there and it's our friend mage oh i forgot about mage mm-hmm. he is instantly attracted to her and he keeps asking her out throughout the night and yeah, she's like no smitten. no 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 um but he wears her down and so she finally says yes and they start going on a couple dates um and she like they start getting kind of intertwined in each other's lives she like starts acting as his aide during the 1925 session of the general assembly and she's like carrying messages from his office down to his friends and she also helps him write a nutrition book called 100 years of health and she plans to use her reading circle connections to help sell the book to school libraries throughout the state interesting development Mm mm-hmm and um, this part, I, I found different versions of the story. Okay. I'm kind of for debate. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Smithsonian's version. Um, yeah, good call. But I'm going to kind of mention this other one. So some accounts say that she found out he was part of the KKK and was like, I'm done. I'm, I'm out. out. Um, and then others. Hard no. Hard no. And then what, it, what happens next happens. Um, and other people are like, no, she didn't know anything yet. And she gets home. On Sunday, March 15th at around 10 p.m. And um, she'd been out with a friend. And her mom tells her that Steve's secretary had called the house looking for her. Okay. And he was like, hey, I'm going to Chicago. And I I want you to just come over and say goodbye. Um, And so she's like, okay, that sounds great. And so he sends over um, a bodyguard. And uh, he, like, picks her up in in a car. And he drives her down to his mansion. um, Because, you know, ladies driving driving really um and so she gets there and she can see that he's wasted Mm. and he's in the kitchen and he starts trying to get her to drink and he gets her to drink more and more and more until Mm -hmm. she becomes sick and she doesn't want to drink but he's like pressuring her to and he's like you need to come to chicago with me like come to chicago and um she's just like no like i need i need to go home and next thing she knows she's being shoved into his car by the okay. bodyguards and they start driving to union station and then they dr- just kidnapping her mm-hmm. and then they drag her out of the car onto steve's private train oh, and it's a private train uh-huh. yeah 
and they push her down into this lower private compartment with Steve and they, they leave. And once they are alone, Steve attacks her. He starts raping and beating her and he starts viciously biting her all over her body. And this is including her face, her neck, her breasts, back, legs, ankles, and tongue. And finally, the pain is so bad that she just passes out. Dude. Yeah. Um, so the train is going along and eventually it stops in Hammond, Indiana. And they like the bodyguards and Steve like puppet her off the train into um, a, a hotel called the Indiana Hotel. And uh, they like get her up to this room. And so at this point, Mage is just like in unimaginable like pain. Yeah. And she's like gone through hell and she she's like with Steve and Steve's kind of like passed out asleep and she sees this gun in his pocket. So she grabs the gun mm-hmm. and she's like pointing it to his head. And then she's like, you know what? This would dishonor me and my family. Like, I can't do this. I'm going to just kill myself. I can't. I can't live like this. Dude. I can't live after going through this. And so she like tiptoes into the next room and she's like preparing for it. Yeah. And then one of the bodyguards comes in. And so she like scurries off. She like hides and then she like puts the gun back into his pocket and like goes to sleep. And so the next morning, Steve wakes up and she's like, hey, you know what? I just really want to go to the local drugstore. I didn't bring any of my makeup. Like, I need some rouge. He's like, okay, fine. I'll have a bodyguard take you down there. So she goes to the drugstore. She buys an entire box of mercuric chloride tablets. Okay, what are those? And so this used to be used to disinfect wounds in the Middle Ages. And then doctors in the U.S. started using it to treat syphilis. But patients would often get mercury poisoning. Poisoning, because you're essentially it's mercury. Oh, yeah. And so at high dos- doses, that is lethal. To Back you. in the day, people were weird about that mercury. Mm-hmm. They're just putting it all over the place. <laughs> it's a cure-all drug. Yeah. <laughs> what could go wrong? So she gets back to the room and she's like trying to figure out how she can take these pills and like at the same time there's all these those huge bite marks all over oh, her body yeah. that's just like essentially gaping holes. Well, mouths are dirty. Yes. And they're like bleeding and like she hasn't gotten any care for them. And so she finally, she. She's at the drugstore. Why didn't she get some like. Uh, she's gonna, she's going to commit suicide at this point. Oh, that's right. So she, oh. she ends up taking six tablets and she starts vomiting blood. Oh, she's got them for herself. In my mm-hmm. head, she was going to poison him. Mm-mm. No. Remember that would dishonor her and her family because she's a nice person. That's right. Okay. So Steve, so she's vomiting blood and Steve is like, oh. I would love to help you. I would love to take you to the hospital, but you're going to have to go to this chapel down the street and marry me first. What? Yes. Because if you're my wife, you can't charge me with stuff. Blah, 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 oh, blah. Oh, because you can't rape your wife. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. No, yeah. Mm, I'm not saying true. with yes. a tone. Yes. I know. I get your sarcasm. Yes. Um, so this goes on for the next 24 hours. She's vomiting blood. She has open wounds. And he's like, I would love to help you, but... And she's saying, I don't want to go to the chapel. She's kind of holding her ground on that part. Yeah, I'm not yeah. going to go marry yeah. you. I get it. You're a monster. Um, so finally, he sees that it's getting serious. So he has two of his bodyguards rent a car and drive her back to her parents' home in Indiana. Oh. Where they drop her off late that night, and they say she was in a car accident. Mm-hmm. Her parents immediately call a doctor, and while at the hospital... Um, Mage tells her mom what had happened. Her mom writes it all down and she signs her confession. 
Madge then dies on April 14th, 1925, from a staph infection from the bites, plus kidney failure from the mercury poisoning. Good lord. Mm-hmm. So Steve is taken in on charges of kidnapping, rape, and second-degree murder. And although his lawyers argue that Madge committed suicide, the doctor testifies that her mutilation injuries alone were sufficient to cause yeah. her death. Mm-hmm. Um, the doctor describes her wounds as similar to having been chewed by a cannibal. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. She was chewed by a cannibal. Yes, yes. Um, he also states that by failing to take any action to help her for 24 hours, he basically killed her. Yeah. The jury convicts Steve of all counts. And this is impressive. That, like, he's getting right? consequences. Yes. For, like, the level he is and at. And the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and he's sentenced to life in prison. And little side note, this case is still used in law school today. Really? Mm-hmm. I thought that was a fun little fact. Um, okay. But there's more. So this case kind of had a butterfly effect in that. So during the trial, a lot of clans members become outraged by the violence Steve inflicted on Madge. So much so that entire chapters started to quit. And mem oh. oh, wow. Yeah, and memberships dropped by the tens of thousands. This is impressive. Mm -hmm. And after being denied a pardon in 1926 by his old buddy, Governor Ed Jackson, Steve starts talking to the Indian Indianapolis Times, and he starts giving copies of letters and checks on the names of officials who had accepted bribes and payments from the Klan. Oh, he starts singing. Mm -hmm. And after a thorough investigation, the state finally um, takes in several high-ranking officials, including Steve's buddy, Governor Ed Jackson, and the head of the Republican Party in a local county. Other local officials resigned when facing charges. So they're like, mm-mm, I'm mm -hmm. just, I'm not going to even out. start this. Yeah. The Times investigation revealed widespread political corruption, which helped destroy the Klan in Indiana and nationwide. By February of 1928, Indiana Klan rosters had dropped to just 4,000 from a peak of more than 250,000 members in 1925. What? Just over this scandal yeah. and like the ripples of yes. it? Crazy. Isn't that crazy? I, I, like, I got goosebumps when yeah. I read that because like, I know you wouldn't expect, not that like this was such a, I don't know, this like one thing that happened between two people. Yeah. Horrific. Yeah. But that... It, cause this like crazy Google Klan who are like, to I'm break part of up. this club. Yeah. And I'm not cool with what this guy did. Mm-hmm. I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. It's impressive. I love it. Um so back to Steve. So Steve is paroled. Mm. He had yeah. He was sentenced mm -hmm. to life. Okay. He was paroled on March twenty third of nineteen fifty, but he violates the conditions of his parole by disappearing and he is captured um, in 1951 and is ordered to serve another 10 years. Um, he's paroled on December 22nd of 1956 on the condition that he leave Indiana and never return. Normally in parole, it's like, you can't leave yeah, the state. Yeah, they're they're like, like, you got to get out get of here. out of here. Um, and so in 1961, Steve is arrested in Tennessee. He's about 70 years old right now on charges of trying to force a 16-year-old girl into his car. To sexually assault her. The judge finds him $300 and he walks free. And he dies five years later in 1966 in his fourth wife's, maybe fifth wife's arms. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that was the story 
of David Curtis Stevenson, a.k.a. Steve. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh. Isn't it crazy? That was crazy. Yes. Did you see Black Klansman when it came out? So good. Yeah. Such a good movie. Yeah. It's on HBO right now. Is it? Yes. I yeah. rewatch it. Um, all right. I that's my t- that's our story and that's our episode. That's our stories and we're sticking to it. Yeah. Um, Jackie, now that Mad Men is over, what are you watching, listening, reading? Camry, guess what I started yesterday? I started watching Scrubs. Nice. And this is your first time watching it. I watched it when it first came out. So right now I'm in things that I've seen, but obviously not in since it since it was new. Like my, I feel like my siblings and I would watch it. Yeah. Um, but didn't really go past the first season, I don't think. So okay. we're going to enter some new territory soonish, I think. I, I like, like it. It's funny. I like it. That's rad. What about you? Um, I'm in finals week. So, so I'm no. slowly dying inside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But then you won't be in finals anymore. Yeah. And then I'll be back in school again. Yeah. It's a cycle. It's weird. It won't stop. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no, it's great. I'm having a great time. It's great. You're learning. (laughs) I'm learning. Yeah. Um, But this brings me joy. This every every time we get to record, I have so much fun researching like the stories and listening to your story. Um, So yeah. I gotcha. This is what I my favorite thing going on. And now now. we have shirts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Join us in our shirt dumb, everybody. Shirt dumb. Yeah. <laughs> um, sweet. Well, we will catch you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Killer Cocktails. As always, on our talent was Jackie Andrea. Uh, be sure to check out our Instagram at Killer Cocktails Podcast or stop by our website, KillerCocktailsPodcast.com, for up-to-date information, photos, contests, and more. Our logo was created by Michelle Firm, whose amazing art can be found at michellefirmdesign.com. Our music was created by Nikolai Heidlus, and we'll be back next week on Hashtag Murder Mondays. <laughs> Madge Augustine Oberholster. Oh, no. Oberholster. Ober, Oberholster. Holzer. Oberholzer. There you go. Okay. I'm sounding out, Drea. All right, Jackie. Yeah. Listeners, I'm going to tell you about Madge Augustine Oberholzer. You did it right. I have to do no match, no match, no match, no match. Okay. You did it right, but you're I'm sorry, David. I got this. Believe in me. Okay. I'm going to tell you.